All right, guys, let's dive in. This week's sponsor is TCGplayer.com. TCG Player is the best place to buy your Magic product, but especially your Magic card singles. TCG decided uh, to open an affiliate with This Week in MTG, so if you want to support the channel and buy the cards at the best price, go to www.thisweekinmtg.com. On the bottom of the page, you'll see a TCG uh, Player link. Use that and help support this podcast. Thanks again to TCG Player. And the charity spotlight is magickids.org. That's M-A-G-I kids.org. Magickids.org is a charity to help introduce young, potentially future magic players into the hobby. It supports communities, schools. I've even heard of some homeschooling groups on there. So certainly check it out, magickids.org. You can donate money, you can donate your cards and send it direct to them, or you can become a volunteer teacher yourself. They certainly send kits out to help you do that. That's what they're using the singles for is these um, learning kits. So to help grow our hobby and do a nice charitable act, magickids.org. Thanks again. Let's start that podcast. Welcome. Welcome. To this week in MTG with your host, Rob Zolson. Hello, 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 my friends. Welcome to this week in MTG. This week has been very revealing. Very revealing indeed. We uh, knew that there was going to be some spoilers shown for the throne of Eldraine, but as many as we got was, was pretty impressive. I know it's getting closer and closer to that pre-release season, but uh, yeah, let's... Uh, Let's put that on pause, though. Let's do some introductions. I have Andy with us today, right in the studio. Andy, introduce yourself to the audience. Hey, everybody. What's up? This is me, Andy B., also known as Beastmaster05 to uh, my ID on my uh, Magic the Gathering. He plays Magic the Gathering uh, Arena, correct? No, uh, no. I did not. I'm not Arena. You're an old-fashioned I'm an old-fashioned. Yep. I'm the old-fashioned cardboard player. Excellent. Well, the special guest we have today that we're going to do a deep dive interview with is Gwen. He is the head developer and owner of the open source tool Cube Cobra. Introduce yourself, sir. Hi, um, my name is Gwen. Um, I recently launched Cube Cobra last summer, and um, since then I've just been really active um, on the uh, Cuban community online, and it's been uh, growing really fast. So it's been an uh, exciting uh, ride. Fantastic. And what we're going to do is we're going to go through the news and then do a deep dive interview with Gwen and talk about uh, Cube Cobra and how you can participate. So to dive in, we always start with finance. I'm greedy. I love uh, I love when my uh, investment has uh, shown its true value. And there's nothing wrong with that. No, that is the American way. That's, that's right. Exactly. So number one on this week's list is World Gorger Dragon. It is a five-drop mythic, uh, most recently printed in Eternal Masters. And this red dragon, it's a nightmare dragon, is a 7-7 flying trample creature that when it enters, exile all other permanents you control. When it leaves, return all exiled permanents back under to the, their owner's control. So the reason why this spikes so much, I think I mentioned it a, a little bit uh, last week as well, 
I just thought it was because it's a Commander staple, but no, you gotta gotta use a little common sense. Commander 2019 came out, yeah, right? Exactly. Yes. But what card in there could possibly have done it? Well, there's a old classic combo with World Gorger Dragon that uses Animate Dead. It's a two-drop enchantment that allows you to pull something out of a graveyard. So when you play World Gorger Dragon with Animate Dead, it comes in, it exiles all permanents, and it exiles Animate Dead. And when Animate Dead detaches from World Gorger Dragon, World Gorger Dragon dies. And then when the permanent comes about, you can retarget World Gorger doing an infinite combo of exiling and unexiling your permanents. It's basically a board wipe. Kind of. It's more of the uh, effect that your stuff comes in untapped, so you can retap it and do things with it. So it's a an idea of some sort of like infinite combos. But I mean the reason we're seeing this is, you know, Anya Falconrath, the madness deck, is using it to untap permanence more. Okay. So just another one of those black red spikes where people yeah. can do more uh more shenanigans with. And again, that spiked up to um eight, nine bucks. So certainly be able to look up for your collections for that if you want to sell out. Number two, surprise me. Godsire is a eight drop red green white creature it has a very complicated mana cost of four colorless one red two green one white and godsire is an eight eight beast with vigilance but it has a unique ability where you can tap it and put an eight eight beast creature that's red green and white out on the battlefield oh, wow you know you figure that an eight cost eight eight with not a lot of benefit that can over time make more tokens wouldn't that be that devastating but People are picking them up to add to the Populate deck that came out in 2009. Commander 2019. 19, yes. People are picking up all the uh, all the copies that you wouldn't really uh, really guess. And you know this card has been real cheap for a while. You know it's held that five six buck price tag. It's a mythic. It hasn't really been reprinted, but there hasn't been a lot of need. No, there hasn't. Now this thing has, in my opinion, overspiked. Seeing the amount of cost this card is bringing out, all the way up to like 24, 25 bucks. That's that's too much, in my that's opinion. Way too much. You know, say it is a core of this populate deck. It's been used to populate for a while, but this is this is overdoing it. This is either the market really not supporting and pulling out enough cards, or two, it's a small buyout. People seeing this and they think they can invest in it and they're buying out the market. I be cautious of this. Don't buy into the hype. I no. think it's going to stabilize maybe ten, twelve bucks. So that you know, twenty five dollar. That's that's going to be too much. Yeah, way too much. So. Number three in the list is any any sword that works with Stormforge Mystic and Modern. Stormforge Mystic finally got unbanned, so now people are tutoring up the swords, swords again. again. So, you know, all the power, uh, traditional power swords, Sword of Light and Shadow, Fire and Ice, and then Feast and Famine are all are going gone up. up. Yes. And, of course, Sword of the Meek, which is that big combo piece for Urza World, which I'm actually going to get in a little more dive into in a little bit here. Um that has gone up as well. So look for those, any of those uh, traditional modern swords that you used to see with Stormforge Mystic. They're all going to creep up in price. So look through your collections. But we're seeing, we're seeing, um, you know, a traditional white weenie deck used for Stormforge Mystic and a lot of others, the Bant, the Control that I talked about last week that was yeah. my prediction that will stick. So it has not found its permanent home yet, but everybody's brewing and trying to figure, uh, figure it out. So I think we'll see... By the time Indianapolis Grand Prix, which is happening right now, 
No coverage. Cough, cough. Oh. We'll finally see some Stormforge Mystic out in the wild once we see professionals use it. I mean, that's really how it goes, and we brew from there. Now, before we go into some cheap pickups, I'm going to make a side prediction. So right now we have Th- Throne of Eldraine. The spoilers are starting to trickle out. Oh, yes, they are. And yep. we know that there's going to be non-traditional fairies. We've seen green fairies pop yep. in there. So green fairies were printed many, many a year ago in very, very old sets, such as Homeland, stuff like that. And they weren't good. They were no. essentially common bulk, and it wasn't really addressed, and they never printed green fairies past that. They yep. stuck to the more traditional black or blue fairies. So now we're seeing green and white in Throne of Eldraine, and I'm going to make a prediction. If you want to make a small investment, Willow Priestess is a four-drop fairy druid with 2-2, but has a very unique ability. You tap it, you may put fairy permanent card from your hand onto the battlefield. So just tap it, put it on the battlefield. So this is a fun commander card, and we've been waiting for a green fairy source to actually collaborate with it. So pick up a copy. We're waiting to see what other treats we have. Sorry, we dropped something there. See what other treats we have in this cycle. So all we're waiting is for red fairies to show up, if they even make one. You know, what would be an aggro fairy? Aggro fairy? Oh, yeah. Red fairy's got to be uh, yeah. in-your-face aggro. Like sacrifice to lightning bolt, type, that type of stuff. Yeah, it'd be nice there. We're going to dive into these sweet Throne of Eldraine spoilers. So, I predicted it before. We got Garuk. Garuk, yes. they said, why wasn't Garuk in War of the Spark? Well, number one, Garuk eats Planeswalkers for breakfast. So, <laughs> yeah, they do. <laughs> having a big party where Nicobolas is trying to kill them, Garuk doesn't quite fit. So, they, no. they probably had to figure something out. But they said by the time they wrote and opened up War of the Spark, they had planned where Garuk was going to be. So, we saw this sweet... YouTube trailer for Throne of Eldraine. Throne of Eldraine started off with him stuck in a in a horse carriage cage that he was captured by these uh, knights bringing into the castle. So that right there, we don't have to have lore. We already no. know that he was captured in this area. How they stopped him from you know planes uh, walking away, we'll find out. But at least yeah. we knew where he was. He is here, yes. and he's ready to you know wreck some gingerbread men up. I'm not gonna spoiler alert. Watch the trailer. Have a good time. But um, to dive in to Throne of Eldraine spoilers, we have the Gruk the Curse uh, Huntsman. And Andy, go ahead and read that for us. Alrighty. So Gruk Curse Huntsman is a six drop, five loyalty counter. Uh, first one is zero, and it create two. Oh. Create two, well, two, two, two black, black and green, and green wolf, wolf creatures. creatures and tokens with when this creature dies put a tro- loyalty counter on each garuk you control so it deposits you right there so we have a garuk tribal planeswalker yes so, so nice if you want to play you know oops all garuk in say commander or any other eternal format you can now we have a ability to <laughs> tick up all those disgusting planeswalker Gar- points garuk or wolves too again i can't forget about the wolves well clearly clearly yeah clearly all right, so the negative three is destroy target creature and draw a card. Now for its ultimate, negative six, you can put an emblem with creatures you control get plus three, plus three, and have trample. So basically, it's kind of an overrun planeswalker. Right. Oh. So this 
given spoilers, we saw a full art print, so we're imagining that this is going to be like the latest limited edition Planeswalker set they're going to be probably selling for that another, you know, what was it, 200 some dollars. So we'll yeah, we'll see another one of those in this spoiler set. We know that that product has not stopped. No. And to be honest, some people have reserved uh, feelings about that product line. And sure, it just, it's a money grab, but as long as it makes sense and they're making money off of it, they're not going to stop. No, so let's enjoy it while we, uh, while we can. Yes. So the other leaks that we found was Oko, Thief of Crowns. Now, we thought originally when this was leaked, we saw the art, and he was, like, shooting bramble thorns, like elemental bramble thorns out of his hands. And we saw that green, blue, and red, you know, hues in that bramble thorn. So we thought maybe he's a three-color planeswalker. He is not. He is green and blue. So, again, Oko, Thief of Crowns, is a legendary planeswalker for only three mana, one colorless, one blue, one green. And his first ability is create a food token. So when this got leaked, we did not get what the food token was. No. We've confirmed that it creates an artifact that you pay to and sacrifice it, you gain three life. So it's the life gain version of a clue. Yep, pretty much. So again, you uptick, create a food token. You uptick again to target artifact or creature loses all abilities and becomes a elk creature. Yes. With base power 3-3. Three, three. Oh, I was excited when I seen that elk. So Andy is a big tribal player, and not just tribal. He loves his you know farm animals, like he loves ox, goat, stuff yep, like that. goats, horses. But his number one has always been either deer or elk. Yes. And, of course, he's a hunter. So of that course, yeah, deer hunter. The theme. Well, when you live in Minnesota, you might as, you know, you're a deer hunter, most of us. Right. And it, there's not really, like, elk lords out there. There's, no. There's a couple, you know, niche. Yeah, obviously, a year it is probably elk. your top one right so again andy's a timmy player he loves his elk this is the commander for him yes this is the commander staple for his deck i should say yeah so i expect you to create an oath breaker out of this right oh i will definitely on this one excellent so i'm just going to pick a couple here because there's a lot to go over so next one is royal or the excuse me the royal scions they decided that they're going to have will and rowan share a planeswalker walker card I don't know how I feel about this. The story says that um, Mark Rosewater leaked. They share a Planeswalker Walker spark. So it makes sense that they could possibly be in one card. Yeah. And take it or leave it. It's at least a decent card. It's an is it card because, again, Rowan and Kenneth yeah. are both you know blue and red. Blue and red. So it's a three drop again. Five loyalty. Um, uptick to draw a card and discard a card. Very is it. Mm-hmm. Um, target pl- uh, creature gets 2-0 and gains first strike and trample till end of turn. And then down tick for eight, which is pretty hefty. Draw four cards. When you do, the Royal Scions deal damage to any target equal to the number of cards in your hand. So it's, again, another power is a card. It reminds me of, you know, what possibly could have been a Ral card. Yeah. So those are the Planeswalkers we got leaked besides the ones in the decks. But the bigger story is we finally figured out what those sectional cards are. They are adventure cards. Yeah. So the adventure cards, and I'm going to use... Um, Embarrath Shieldbreaker. It's a two-drop, you know, human knight creature. It's just a vanilla 2-1, but it has the ability on the other side of it to cast it as a one-drop sorcery. So when it's in uh, when it's in your hand, again, this is to my understanding because the rules are coming out, but there's still a lot of debate. Debate on those, yeah, that storybook one. Exactly. So when it's in your hand, you can cast it as either or. So not both. No. So the sorcery for this particular card is pay one, 
destroy target artifact. Decent sideboard Decent mechanic, nice, yeah. right? Yes. So if you don't have an artifact to hit, you can cast the creature side. So when it's cast, it's supposed to go into exile and then allow you to recast the adventure, is yeah. what our understanding is. But let's say, because there's debate on the rules, so if it goes in and you put it as an adventure, you have to replay it as, a, uh, as an adventure. I'm, I'm really not clear on the Yeah, the it's rulings. kind of tough how it is now. I mean, once we get more ruling on it, then we'll... I've well, talked no to more. a couple judges, and some of the rulings that we've heard is when you cast it, that's what it becomes, and it's forevermore an adventure or creature, not either or. Okay. Which doesn't make sense in no, my mind. Doesn't. If you have to remember how you cast it, yeah, that doesn't make sense in the rules. No, so we'll doesn't. see how they work, but at least we know that when it's in your hand, you can choose either oh, side to cast. Yeah. So we see a lot of these, and we also see these fancy arts of them. Um, I think my favorite is Order of Midnight. It's a two-drop human knight flying and it cannot block it's a 2-2 and then has an adventure side of pay two and return target creature card from your graveyard to your hand valuable card because it's a flying creature or it's that two drop great spell ability but they have an altar art of this made by seb mckinnon that has the cool fancy border which we kind of thought would be the new masterpiece for this new throne of eldraine set so we're Still yet to see how those are going to be put into packs. They also announced there's going to be three different packs. You're going to have your traditional, what they call draft pack. That's the normal pack we've always gotten, the booster packs. Yep. They're going to have their um, theme packs, which is going to have one of every color, which they've done already. And then they're going to have the new pack, which is going to be the collector's pack. It's going to have those pretty foils. It's probably going to have a lot more uh, um, rare cards in them. So it's not just you're not getting just the bulk. You're getting more of those exclusive cards. That means. You know, Wizards, you're, it's probably a money grab. But yeah. to be frank, if I'm not saving all that chaff in my pack, I'm probably willing to spend a few extra oh, bucks yeah. for a decent pack. Yeah, if we, are, we are. Because uh, packs are scratchy tickets. Yeah. You're going to go in. You're not looking for the card for your deck. So it's not a financial advisement just to go out. If you're looking for this deck and this card... Don't buy packs. Go to tcgplayer.com, plug on the bottom of my website, go to there, and buy the single. But if you're just wanting to collect Throne of Eldraine and get those sweet pieces, crack a pack. Do the scratch. You see what you get. Yeah. Brew something out of it. Have some fun. Oh, yeah. And it's nice to not have so much chaff. Yeah. So there's a lot of leaks. I'm going to probably pick one or two more here. I think the biggest one that shocked people is... The land cycle, we got a hint of what the land cycle could be. So we have the common and uncommon. We did not see the rare land cycle. Not and yet, yeah. Mark Rosewater did confirm there's not going to be dual color lands in the set. As far as a rare dual color land. Yeah, so we'll right. figure it out. But yeah. the uncommon set we see is tournament grounds. It comes in untapped. So great. It's no downside oh, yeah. yet. Yeah, it'd be nice. You can tap it for colorless or you can tap it for red, white, or black. As long as it's spent to cast a knight or, or use for an equipment spell. Yeah. So, kind of a deck card that not in my favor, but because I'm, you know, not with knights or anything, I'm more of the animal type. See, Andy wanted this to be, you know, uh, Elkin Grounds. Yes. And just, you know, summon elk, deer, or farm animal. That's that's what. Pretty much, yeah. Well, you could put that in your commander deck, though. You could. Well, yes. Yushimaru? Yep, Yushimaru. Well... Just- if yeah, because it's, yeah. it's equipment spell, but the uh, idea of Ishmaru is it's just white, so just he doesn't white. need the fixing. Well, spell. Yeah, don't need the fixing on that one. No, what excites people about this is because, again, this is a knight-themed set, yeah. so Brawl and Commander players are just losing their mind. Yeah, 
and I suppose speaking of, um, wasn't I guess not Brawl, but Planeswalker, uh, that, that we have another Oko that has been revealed as well. Yeah, that was in the dual deck. I'll the dual you, decks. I'll let you grab that here in just a minute, okay. but just to finish the lands, we have Witch's Cottage. This is the common cycle that we're seeing in the set. So Witch's Col- uh, Cottage is a technical swamp, but it is a non-basic. So when Witch's Cottage enters the battlefield, tap it unless you control three or more other swamps. So it does have a downside. But when Witch's Cottage enters the battlefield, untapped, you may put target creature card from your graveyard on top of your library. That's fantastic. That is. So it's just making sure that you're not, you know, fast ramping. You have to no. have some swamps out. So mono black decks, this is going to be a great, oh, a yeah. great card for. Yeah. So what was that Planeswalker you just told us about? So there are two Planeswalkers they told us about for the Planeswalker decks. Yeah. We have Rowan, which, again, I'll let you guys look. Use mythicspoiler.com. They grab all of these as soon as they, they drop. It's a fantastic tool. But go ahead and read that Planeswalker for us. So for Oko, the Schemer, this one is a six-drop, four colorless, green, blue, four loyalty counter. So our first one, we have a plus one, and it is put two plus one plus one counters on up to one target creature you control. It is, then we have zero, until end of turn, Oko the Schemer becomes a copy of a creature you control. Prevent all damage that would be dealt to him this turn. Nice. That is very nice. And now, is ultimate. For negative seven, until end of turn, each creature you control has a base power and toughness of 10, 10, and gains trample. So that, how that really works on these cards is it changes their base power and toughness, and then if it has counters, it adds the counters on top of them to it, or if it's equipped, it adds the equipped feature on top of the 10-10. So if you're going to use those counters for the first ability, you're not going to lose them just by no. ultimating. Yeah. That's a big one for new players. But, oh, yes. So this dual deck is where I actually see that cool bramble elemental art. So it's still being used. It looks real nice. Now, this uh, this spoiler season is, uh, is a bit different. They're definitely pushing a lot more up front because past Throne of Eldraine, they have released the news for the other um, future sets. So the first one is we're going to go back to Theros, ladies and gentlemen. So Theros Beyond Death is finally the Theros that we get to go to the Underworld. We were up above before. Now we finally go get to see where Elspeth is hanging out. That's awesome. So I'm assuming they're going to bring back the enchantment synergies back, but that's really all we know is the next uh, set for Q1 of next year is going to be Theros Beyond Death. The next is Ikoria, Lair of Behemoths. And the only thing that Mark Rosewater, he was really excited about this set, I think this is his favorite so far in the list, is that it's Build Your Own Monster set. Oh, that'd be so nice. So my prediction on this, when we had the uncards, yeah, I was just gonna bring that we up. We had the these uncards. two halves that you build, like a squirrel oh. behemoth and all this other crazy stuff. Yeah. I think that was their test period. They wanted yeah. to use the uncards to see how it plays out, and they probably made some adjustments. But that's really what we're gonna have. Yeah. We're gonna have the build your own monster set finally. Oh, that'd be awesome. I'm excited. So instead of the uh, half kitten, half kitten like we had back in un. Stable. I have some hope and have some decent ones. Well, I think it's going to be somewhere between 
what we had with bestow, which was an enchantment aura yeah. or creature, and what we did with the unset. So it's going to be some middle I'm ground where that. they can use the Lair of Behemoths outside of the set, outside of draft okay. pool. So we can use it elsewhere, maybe add a chunk of monster to something else, maybe like an equipment. Oh, so we'll nice. see. It's going to be uh, going to be great. So then that's Q2. Q3 will be core 2021. And they have the set symbols for each one of these, I should note. And the set symbol for Core 2021 is not the traditional M, you know, number that we normally have. It's, it looks like two cards on top of each other. So I don't know if, you know, Core sets have definitely always had a bad rap. They use them to fill in the standard gaps. But I don't know if this is just trying to get away from, you know, old branding. But we'll see. The leak of this is, if you like Teferi, you're going to like the set. That's literally what they said verbatim. So like tough fairy or like fairy to fairy right uh, okay so this last set we had with uh, core core 20 right yep. it was all chandra yeah thank god it's probably predictable <laughs> they're going to make an all to fairy set fairy, yeah yeah you know then, like it or hate it yeah and then i'm hoping that they bring back underworld cerberus ooh cuz that that was a mythic back in Thuros. That anything that you see for underworld hints or I mean look into the lore. Imagine what that could be for a card if you really want to get uh, nerdy about oh, yeah. it. So the last one for Q4 because that was Q3 is my most exciting of the list is Zendikar Rising. So Zendikar it finally doesn't have Eldrazi, <laughs> and now we can go back to what it was supposed to be: cleanse free of your spaghetti monsters. And I'm not gonna lie, I'm selfish on this. Yeah, I'm I know, just I figured, yeah, I figured you would be. I'm just excited because this is another chance for us to get fetches. I want the fetch back, man. I don't want the Scalding Tarns being $120 anymore. Please, Mark Rosewater, hear us. We want fetches. We don't care if it ruins standard. <laughs> We're selfish people. We're just doing another Horizon set. You know, just go straight Ooh, to modern. Duh. Right. Yeah. Well, right. if you want to keep value in fetches, don't put them in standard. True that. Leave them in modern. Just make yeah. another modern Horizons. This is true. Yeah, very true. So I re- just realized that I, I messed up. When we talked about finance, we only talked about the highs. I'm going to talk about the cheap pickups before we continue. So a couple cheap pickups. Gideon Blackblade, the mythic from War of the Spark, is finally real real hard gone down. It's like seven, eight bucks. So pick up your copies. The flagstones of, I'm going to butcher this name, I always have, uh, Trocare. That's T R O K. A I R, Trocare. Trocare. No, it's Tro. Tro. Trocare. Tro. Trocare. Is bottomed out, and again, this is a legendary land. It comes in, untapped. You can tap it for white mana, and has a special ability that when this card is put into a graveyard, you may search your library for a planes card and put it on the library. So it's protection from land destruction. So if it dies, you can go get yourself another another planes. So it's used some places as a little bit more protection, but it's really only used, um, aside of these niche decks and modern, it's using Commander quite a bit. Just as a source of protection or a way to dredge out and discard a land just to go do a fetch, to use that effect. And the one that blew my mind this week is Echo of Eons. That is the six-drop sorcery where each player shuffles their hand and graveyard into their library, then draws seven cards with the flashback of three. The flashback of three is what makes it crazy. It's essentially a lake, uh, reserve list card on the flashback uh, price. So this is a mythic for Modern Horizons. And we're seeing a lot of these un- or not 
not, I'm not saying unused. A lot of these lower used, high, what you assume high dollar cards, like last week we talked about the high, uh, sliver, um, what was it, the first sliver. Okay. We're seeing these because now we're getting to our, where the boxes are going low with Modern Horizons. We're seeing a surplus out there. So we're seeing these particular cards go down. So this has bottomed out at seven and a half bucks. Oh, wow. Pick up your copies. Mm-hmm. In fact, doing the research for the podcast, trying to make sure I'm up to date on all the information, I already ordered myself a couple copies. This is a great card. Dredge yourself out, pay the flashback, win games. So diving in, since I, I apologize, I forgot that. So I'm going to dive into standard a bit. So last, was it last week or the week before we talked about the banning list? No, it was last week. And we were surprised that we got such a long banning list. So I'm going to talk a little bit about the Mono Red Aggro in Standard. Mono Red Aggro has always been around for this whole last rotation. And it started in Amonkhet, where we got those pieces banned, like Rampaging Frontodon. Now it's back. They have unbanned it just to be nice, because we have so much health gain in the meta right now for, what, the month and a half that was out. So, of course, we're seeing an uptick in red decks right now. So... If you have the cards on hand, because never invest in cards that are going to rotate out if you're not going to use them past standard. Rampaging Frontodon is a great card to use in Commander. So don't let uh, standard rotation stop your collection. But if you have the copies, Model Red Aggro is a great place to be right now in standard. And it is definitely affordable. Right now, I think paper is somewhere around that $50, $60 mark. And again, this is the, the top net list. So if you're not afraid and you're looking for a tournament this month before stuff rotates out, get yourself uh, get yourself the list. Use that Rampaging Frontodon before it leaves us and uh, standard rotates out. And to look these uh, decks up, I always use a tool called mtggoldfish.com. It allows you to look up deck lists based upon the actual win percentages, real data in tournaments, not just what's the hyped deck. They use real tournament data from MTGO and the physical tournaments. So give that a look. So in modern this week, um, we're still waiting for the Stoneforge Mystic decks to pop up and play. But what's going to take the spot of the Hogak? And we've seen um, the Word deck, W-H-I-R, War of Invention. And the idea with that is you use War of Invention and other tutors to pull up the Sword of the Meek uh, Thopter Foundry combo to infinite off and win. So this deck got significantly worse with two cards. Having, again, Urza, Lord, High Artificer, which makes all of your artifacts tap for mana. So instant ramp, which you can yeah, pay for four. That's nice. And Goblin Engineer, so you can recycle a lot of your artifacts. So Goblin Engineer is a two drop, one two, Goblin Artificer. It's a rare from Modern Horizons. When Goblin Engineer enters the battlefield, search your library for an artifact card and put it in the graveyard. So you can pay one, tap, sacrifice an artifact, and then return that artifact from the graveyard three or less to the battlefield. So <laughs> fetch it, dump it in your okay. graveyard, pay, trade for some other artifact, and then pull it out. So oh it's God. another way to get your combo. Yep. It's just way more efficient than it used to be. So we're seeing this really pull to the top of the list and a lot of win percentages. It's using, you know, all the Cheerios cards, so Mishra's Bobble, Formox Opals, Welding Jars, and I think the, another big change from Modern Horizons is Arkham's Astrolab. 
I'm butchering that name. Forgive me again. It is uh, the cost of it is one snow-colored colorless of any color mana, and it's a snow artifact. So it allows you to when it enters draw a card and then filter mana color if you need it. So it's just another Cheerio that Urza gets to abuse with card draw. Oh wow! The only thing that changed other than those in this deck is seeing Mystic Forge from M20. It's a four-drop artifact. You may look at the top card of your library at any time, and you may cast that card if it's an artifact or colorless card, non-land card. So you can play out your whole Cheerio scheme looking for your combo. Yeah. Urza's <laughs> mean. Curse you, Urza. Very mean. So because of the Mox Opals, because Urza's so expensive, and because it does use Ensnaring Bridges... This deck is fifteen hundred dollars. That card so much. <laughs> you gotta hate the snaring bridge. Fifteen hundred dollars. So if you don't have, you know, a savings of gold like me, I'm gonna throw at you another budget deck because we don't ever want to discourage people from playing modern. It's a fantastic format, and you don't have to have these lists to win. No. One of my favorite that got a little bit better recently from Modern Horizons, since we're on that kick, you know, Urza deck, yeah. is Semic Swans. If you've never played against Simic Swans, it's been around quite a while, but now it's getting that much more disgusting. Simic Swans is around that $150-$160 tick, so it's a little bit... We try to say that $100 mark for budget decks, but it's a little north of that. And it uses four of one creature called Swan of Baron Argol. It is a four-drop, white-blue bird spirit creature with four-three as the toughness, flying. If a source would deal damage to the swan, prevent that damage, and then that source's controller deals cards equal to the damage prevented this way. See what I'm doing here? Oh, yeah. So the idea is you, you've put 40, 41 lands in the deck, and then use cards like Semic Assault, or excuse me, Seismic Assault. It's a three-drop enchantment. Discard a land, deal two damage to whatever you want. So you fill the deck with land. Yep. You essentially shock by dumping lands. Yep. Your bird to redraw more cards to continually be able to shock out the opponent in the face. With your lands. Right. Because you're if you run out, oh I'm just gonna use one land quick to draw, you know, yep. two more cards. It's it's gross. So the the bigger things that stop this deck from really working in the past have been essentially not milling out your deck, but not having enough deck to go around. So they added a copy of Days Undoing. It's a mythic from um, Origins. It is a three-drop sorcery. Each player shuffles their hand and graveyard um, into their library, then draws seven cards. Um, if it's your uh, if it's your turn, end that turn. Well, who cares? Because you can, as long as you have a new hand, you can just start dumping instant speed on their turn and win. Yeah. So the big changes again. Um, Seismic Assault was reprinted. So that is now around in Modern to use. And it's also using um, Throws of Chaos. It's a Cascade card for four and allows you to retrace. So you get to go hunt for the Day's Undoing or Treasure Hunt to find more uh, more gas. Bolt Swans, Bolt Faces, and a win all for 150 bucks. Go check it out. Go Animals. Go Animals. <laughs> God, who, do, who knew it would be non-red burn? So Seismic <laughs> Swans. Go check it out. Fantastic budget deck. It's been used for a long time, and it's only gotten better. All right. So the next thing on my shopping list here to let you guys know is the 
Magic Fest schedules. So, Magic Fest, again, this week is in Indianapolis, and it's not being covered yet again. It's Ooh. super frustrating. Oh we went gosh. from Las Vegas having good coverage. I can't find it. Maybe it's out there if I'm wrong. Certainly. Let us know. Can we Let just us know. email them or something? Yeah. Show our frustrations at all? Yeah, no. I'm pretty sure everybody is. And if you go on Twitter, you're seeing all types of posts. I saw on here like uh, a screenshot of a dating app. You know, I am a, <laughs> and you choose your, your gender. I am male, female, or other looking for, and then someone just like scratch it off. Magic co- magic fest coverage. <laughs> so, um, it's unacceptable. I mean, I know they're leaving up to third parties and Channel Fireball and others. You know, they've done uh, great jobs, but we need it. Yes. You know, maybe that's what I should do. Just hire, hire a third party. Us three in the room. We'll get Gwen. He'll oh, come along with us. There you go, yeah. Please. We're going to go and do some coverage. That's, that's what we're, we're available. Call us. We're here to do well, it. Well, you guys are. I'm not. No, it's bean season. Bean season, yes. Working at the... <laughs> Yep, harvesting <laughs> harvesting kidney beans. All right. Well, again, the I will take time off from work just to do that. Exactly. Yeah. Let's do a little PTL. We'll do one of them. Right. Um, so the next uh, events is Ghent in Belgium. That is next weekend. Atlanta is the following for the twenty through the twenty second of September, and Montreal to get that uh, poutine is in October fourth through the sixth. So look out for those. Please, for the love of God, give us coverage. Stop it. Stop it this instant. Yeah. So, last thing on my list before we get into the deep dive interview is obscure reserve list cards, high dollar reserve list cards, have been dropping this week 20 to 40% here and there. And when I say this, it's cards like um, Jesus, or excuse me, Juzam Dijin, The Abyss, Bazara Baghdad, um, The Archaeologist, Drop a Honey. You know, not really like massive chords, not Black Lotus, not Dual Lands, you know, not Power Nine, but obscure high dollar reserve list cards are showing some weakness. It's mainly because the market's not moving. We see the Card Kingdoms, you see the uh, um, Troll and Toad, you see all these people having stock and they're just not moving. So in a little bit of fear of a soft market, they're marking these down. And I don't know how long this is going to last, if this is something that's going to continue as a trend and they're going to snipe these. But the Power 9, the high dollar, you know, real big reserve list cards, they haven't really moved much. But those have, and if you're going to look for a couple pieces, now's the time to to grab them. Those are still big dollar cards, but definitely look in the list. Don't sell. If you're going to collect those cards, don't, don't sell them out. This is not the time to get rid of them. Try to do the long play if you can sell other uh, sell other cards, but we always see the market like, oh, no, it's crashing. I have to fix it before. Go for the long play. Let's just say that this is a small magic recession for some of these cards. Wait that year. Wait that two years before it rebounds because these aren't going to be like this forever. No. All right. So let's dive into this amazing interview. Gwen, It. thanks again for making the time for this. And to start off, tell us a little bit about yourself. So I've been playing Magic um, since around Zendikar. I uh, started over in Seattle and uh, ended up playing a lot of Legacy there. Uh, There's a great Legacy crowd over there. Um, And I got into Cube um, as a more casual thing to do with friends, and I kind of fell in love with the format. So uh, my life's changed quite a bit since then. I'm now in Boston, but I still look uh, to Cube whenever I can. That's fantastic. So to start off with, was it the original Zenikar or the return to Zenikar? 
uh, the, the original uh, Zendikar. Yeah. Perfect. Right when the party got started. So, yeah, I think uh, my first set was like uh, Alara Reborn. So my first pre-release was Zendikar. Excellent. So I think our first question, just for our audience's education, is not uh, necessarily your, um, your, the tool yet, but what Cube is. To understand your, your tool, we really need to go, what is Cube? Could you help us with that? Yeah, so Cube is, a, is very different than other formats. Um, it's basically somebody gets together a set of cards, um, usually between 360 to 720, and creates their own draft format. So there's a wide variety of different cubes, but like the most typical one, um, you're looking to get the most powerful cards in Magic. So it's, it's a way that you can play with just absolutely busted stuff, um, but in a more controlled setting, and um, you're able to do it in a way that um, you don't necessarily have to invest a ton of money into it. All you, ha all you need is a friend with a cube. Um, there's also... Uh, Cube on Magic Online, which is very popular. And um, they usually do more tame cubes, like Legacy and Vintage. Uh, but they've been doing Modern, and now they have a kind of a wacky one, which is the Grixis cube. Um, and it really goes to show, you like a cube is whatever format the designer wants it to be. There's a lot of game design theory related to it. Um, and uh, building cubes is, uh, is a whole field on its own gotcha so you take that you know, up to 720 cards and you break them up into what we call booster pack sized um, allotments and you draft out of them like you just opened a pack correct yeah yeah exactly you just um you shuffle up i mean shuffling hundreds of cards can be tedious but that that's the thing you shuffle it up you distribute it into packs and then you just uh, do a draft Perfect. just like normal so this gives a lot of, as you said, freedom. So there's a lot of different packs. And this re format originally started from MD MTGO because, again, digitally it's easier to do, correct? No, um, not really. The origin of Cube is um, somewhat of a mystery. There's like 40 or so people who claim to invented Cube, but it, it dates back um, like pre-MTGO. It, it's been around for a long time. So are you, are you the 41st? That No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> So thanks for that uh, introduction. So that just makes magic uh, recurrable so you can use your collection. And suddenly that makes your, you know, all your bulk magic an entirely different experience. So you can take anything that you have in the drawers, take it and sleeve them up, make your own cube out of it for literally no extra money because you can use the cards on hand. It's just another fantastic way to brew it up. But again, you want to put your identity into it. And this is really where we get to the tool you've made. So, you know, what is... Cube Cobra. So Cube Cobra is a um, web application where users can um, create and share uh, their cube lists. Um, our main use case right now is uh, being able to create cubes um, and look like slice uh, it in different ways, so you can understand what's going on in the cube, um, where you might need more support. Uh, we also have um, a play test a play test draft feature, so you can go in and do a sample draft with bots, and then you can build a deck afterwards. Uh, a lot of people just like to do that on its own, um, and 
it's a way that you can put your cube list out there and share with other people and get feedback. And so if you're ever going out um, and trying to host a cube draft, I highly recommend sharing your list beforehand with um, your drafters so they know what's going on because if they see a, a splinter twin in a pack, they might not realize I can go infinite with Deceiver Exarch because they don't know if it's in the cube. Usually, like if there's a splinter twin, there's going to be a Deceiver Exarch. But um, it's still good to know what interactions um, might be expected. So sharing is, is a big part of uh, the website. So I always like to think of it like this. Um, we've had a shout out to Aaron Beck. He's been in our community, the big uh, cube goer. He, he really has polished him over the years. We've had a lot of fun drafting in our community. I think, Andy, you've been a part of that yes, uh, a couple times. Been. Yep. And I think the, the big thing is if you're going to draft in a set, you've had time to do a little bit of study on what the cards are and get an idea that, oh, Throne of Eldra is coming out. Well, I'm going to make knights because I know they synergy with, uh, synergize with yeah. equipment in the set. And you get that, like, aha moment. There you go. When people do cube i've seen a lot of times they don't share that list they don't have a medium like no. here guys here's a piece of paper here's kind of the cards in there get a couple yeah. ideas before we start no, it's gonna be more of a surprise so you have two options there and my opinion and please correct me on this you either one the person that created the cube lets the other people play and he's not a part of it because again knowledge is advantage he's mm -hmm. made the cube or two you share the list and then you play i've seen where both happen but it's always a common mistake that oh they're just going to do it blind and know what to do and yeah, those Splinter Twin, especially combinations, just don't work out. So the thing I think most exciting that you just mentioned in uh, about your, your tool is the playtest feature. So I can, again, make a list, playtest against bots to really see how they draft. Now, how intelligent are these bots? Are they just grabbing cards based off of some sort of algorithm? The bots right now is... Um... Not quite what I'd refer to as like a first order um, implementation. It's kind of a couple revisions about that, but they're still very bad. Um, what what the bots do is they'll take um, based on the number of bots you choose a collection of colors and distribute two colors to each uh, bot, and then those bots are going to force that color combination. And when they see a pack, they're going to prioritize. Um, so they're first going to look at all the cards that are in their colors, and they're going to decide which one has the highest pick order. And that, that data is based on pick order from human drafters. And so the idea is the bots will be consistent in colors. So the color signaling will actually function. And so if you're a human trying to draft a green deck, um, you're going to see the correct uh, distribution of colors that you would expect in an actual draft. But then there's also the power level issue of if the bots are taking random cards, you're going to see uh, very highly valuable cards later than they should be. Like at the very early versions, you would see like Black Lotus and Mox just wheel because the bots didn't know that they're highly valuable picks. And so those are the two uh, heuristics that they do okay on. But the, it's it's the issue is actually a lot more complicated than that because when when you're cube drafting you have to think about the curve um, interactions between cards. Um, you can try to um, see a card once and know it might be coming around the table and make picks based on that. It, it's it's a really difficult problem and we're right now collecting a lot of data. So every time a human drafts, we're saving all that data. We're not using it. 
um, other than doing the pick order, which is very basic. But the idea is later on when we have a much larger collection of data, we might be able to use that to create some more sophisticated bots. But if you're looking for an authentic draft, um, that's going to be hard to come by with bots at the current uh, state we're at. And I think you're going to find that um, across any platform, really, like even the arena bots, which is a, is a much simpler problem because they're only trained for one set. They still um, don't behave quite at the same level as a uh, human and uh, well, they make I, noticeable mistakes. Like, like the gates uh, thing was a big deal. I think it's still the, to be said that it's invaluable because imagine I'm trying to put myself in the, the spot of building these giant cubes. It's 720, you said 720 cards, correct? Well, it, 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 it depends. It varies. Uh, you can make a small one. Yeah. I mean, I've seen a 1500 card cube, but I wouldn't oh, recommend yeah. that. So even if you do like the 300 and some card cube, you know, it's a lot of cards and you don't know if the synergies are going to work and it takes a lot of practice. So imagine you and your buddies just sitting there shuffling a brick of cards, trying to get a, a, you know, data of how this is going to draft. Even if it's, you know, as you said, a bad AI, it still gives you invaluable data that you won't be able to recreate instantly without having a lot of, uh, you know, chaffed fingers. That's for yeah, sure. Yeah, I'd say it's, it's useful for an initial measure of what you can expect from your packs. So like a pick one, pack one is that's going to be authentic data. And you can open a pack and, and immediately see, well, this card looks significantly higher power level than the others, or this card looks significantly weaker. And so you can adjust it like that. The bot drafts, they're okay. I wouldn't recommend it for like hard data, but it, it's, it's good to gauge kind of what's going on in your cube um, at a very basic level. Perfect. So... In using this uh, this tool, um, before I, I have uh, so many questions. You know, this this is a great uh, great tool. But you know, what? Why did you start this? Um, well, it's actually kind of funny. I started it more as um, it was twofold. So I wanted um, to learn a new platform um, just to improve my own um, software skills. And the second reason that I chose to do this. Um, is because I was kind of unhappy with the current um, tools that are available for cube management. Because I, I really into cube, I design cubes and do thought experiments all the time. And I, I found that the best tool out there right now is just Excel. And that's not really like a specialized thing and you don't have card images. And so I wanted to actually create a platform where I could do all the cube design that I wanted to do um, all in one place without relying on um, other um, sources like Excel or Scryfall. Um, and we're not quite there yet. Our, our, our feature set increases all the time. Um, we've had like three updates in the last two weeks, but um, that that's kind of the direction that we're trying to go. So what makes this, you said before that like you know, it used to be that Excel was that uh, you know best tool use Scryfall to try to get uh, more card data and images? But I've seen a few different uh, different cube uh, tools. You know what what makes uh, this product different, and what makes it better? Well, the big thing um, is the fact that it's open source, um, and what that means is 
there are a lot of people looking at the code. Uh, we have, I don't know the exact number. We, we keep getting more. Uh, over 20 contributors um, who've built features. Um, and it, it really allows this website to be built by the community. Um, if there's something that somebody, like a feature somebody wants that I don't really have time to do, anyone else can just pick it up. And that's really been the case. Uh, we've had a lot of really excellent features developed by contributors. Um, and it's definitely not something that um, any single person would have been able to do on their own. So making it open source also means it's free, correct? Yes. Uh, and I would, I would, I always wanted to make sure that it was free. It's kind of, um, I guess, a personal uh, philosophy, but I, I, I really dislike paywalls. I think if, if um, you can get away with leveraging like donations and um, other income streams to support the hosting costs, then then you should just do that. Um, I, I never wanted to make money off this. So uh, I don't want to hide any features behind the paywall. So everything, um, every feature that we built is accessible to any user. And also a big implication of open source is um, anyone can use the source code. So if somebody else decided that they're unhappy with how I was managing this project, or I just dropped off the face of the earth, you know, and nobody heard from me for a year, anyone could just take the source code of the project and launch their own website and then continue developing off of that one. And there's a lot to be said about that as well, because we've seen, you know, over the years, it's 2019, there's a lot of startup companies that have a great product, great initiative, and, you know, they'll either they'll have life happen. You know, maybe they'll have a kid, maybe something happened, maybe they fell off a cliff. And now all this proprietary software, this uh, essentially tool that was brought out there that may be a paid for product, maybe a free product, but there's no one picking up that torch and taking it on and making it better. So this, again, is it now, thanks to that choice, is an evergreen product that it, even if you have to leave it, you have 19 other people on your team to grow it and hopefully that community keeps growing. So, yeah, exactly. It, it's it's a way to ensure the um, longevity of the, the the project. So that that brings another question: is, you know, how do you prioritize your dev process? So I have a car. You know, how do I say that the, the engine upgrade you know prioritizes over a larger trunk space? You know, what are those features? How is that prioritized, and how does that share with a community versus employees? Well, that, that's kind of shifted over time. So um, last summer, I, I was doing this full time. Um, I was kind of, uh, I just graduated uh, um, with a bachelor's and I had a couple months before I started working full time. So that, that's, I had, you know, been doing 60, 80 hours a week just working on this. And my goal was create a minimum viable product. So I have a couple core features that I need to check. And so I just want to meet all of those. And then that's kind of when I went public with it. And then after that, uh, every time anyone reaches out to me with a feature request or bug, I uh, log it. So we have a ton of feature requests and bugs in the backlog. And um, I just kind of slowly iterating through those based on what, um, I mean, obviously bugs are high priorities. So I want to get those fixed out. Uh, fixed as soon as possible. And the features, I just kind of chose what I wanted. Then we went open source and um, 
we kind of follow the same idea of bugs. I, I always, personally, I try to um, fix the bugs before we make a release. And then all the features, um, there are a couple ones that we talk about are high priority, um, but there's there's tiny features and massive features. And really it, it's, it's whatever the developer wants to do. Um, we have, the, the number keeps increasing, even though we, you know, finish features and close them out, the number of open features still increases. Uh, haven't been able to trend that number down at all. Well, uh, that right means around. you're popular. Well, it just means people keep wanting to see new things or new bugs open up, really. So it's fair to say that since, again, it's a mixed group and people are donating their time, that, it, number one, it has to do with their skill set and what they want to do, and the other one happens to have uh, what's you know the community saying the most, right? Yeah, um, like... Uh, the latest uh, release we had, the biggest feature was short URLs. And that, that was just because of community pressure. That was by far our, our most demanded feature. Um, people were saying like things like, oh, I don't really want to start using the website because every time I want to link to my cube, there's like a 24-digit hex string. It's super gross. Um, and so one of our contributors um, had made it so they're just incrementing up on base uh, 36. So everyone has a three-digit cube or less uh, for on their URL now, which is super nice. So if you want to link to a cube, it's really easy now. You don't uh, want to copy and paste a paragraph, that's for sure. Yeah, so, so now our, our, our links are very slim now, and that's, that's a very nice feature we just got out. Perfect. So what's some other... Uh... I'm actually in your tool right now. I have up where I'm trying to build a deck list. It, or not deck list, a queue, but you also do deck lists. So do you ever do, I see in playtests, like what your hand would be, some type of test like that. What other features that have been most crucial to your, or most popular to your tool? Um, so another big one that was really requested was the cube compare. So if you look at any cube, um, at the list at the um, controls strip, there's a compare button. And if you click that and enter in the ID for another cube, it you can see what cards they have in common, what cards are just in one cube, and what cards are in the other cube. So it's a way that if your friend um, sends you a list and say, what do you think of this list? Is there anything you cut, anything that you should add? You can actually just compare it to your cube and you can really easily give that feedback. Uh, so that, that's a really nice feature. Um, the the playtest draft itself, um, there's there's a lot of draft, like magic draft simulators out there on the internet, and you can kind of um, you know try those out for yourself. But I, I wanted to do something that was more close to what you see on like Magic Online, where you can click and drag, you can reorganize and sort by CMC. And um, so that, that's what I ended up building. Um, and I, to my knowledge, I haven't seen anything else like that um, on another website yet. So that, that's one feature that I, I really enjoy. Perfect. So let's say I'm a new player, never played. Uh, I've only played maybe a buddy's cube, never really heard of cube. How do I get into, what's the best way of starting to make my own? So generally what I do is, you know, I'm not trying to be like a net decker and go to like the dirty peasants, try to find the best ones, but you got to start somewhere with ideas. Where, where would I start if I'm a new person to cube? So if you 
are just looking to like to build your own cube, um, it's tough because the entry point is um, can be steep depending on what you're looking at. So a traditional cube, um, you're looking at like a four-digit uh, investment, um, but there's there's so many different kinds of cubes. So That's like a lot of cheese. Cube, yeah. yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I have you know friends with like five-digit cubes. Um, I don't know the number exactly, but you know they have like beta power and all foil. It gets Ooh, ridiculous. Dropper wow, bound is very very high. But you don't have to spend that much money to build a cube. Um, popper cube and peasant cubes are often uh, a lot cheaper, uh, very affordable, and they offer really interesting draft experience as well. And um, one cube um, that I think is a great starting point is uh, the board game cube. Uh, this is a cube designed uh, by Dr. Ruler. He does um, the Soli Singleton podcast, and he uh, went out and designed a cube that the total cost at the time is a hundred dollars. So it's 360 cards. It's a um, relatively balanced and interesting draft format that provides a lot of the aesthetics of a traditional cube draft um, with a very, very low price of entry. So if anyone's looking to um, to find a traditional cheap cube, that that's the place I would recommend the most. And what was that again? It's called the Board Game Cube. The Board Game Cube. Is there any uh, way to find that off of your website? Um, yeah, actually, you can just um, do uh, cubecobra.com slash cube slash list uh, slash the Board Game Cube. It'll actually pop up. <laughs> Fantastic. So also, while you've been talking, I've also been using the search function because, again, every person's list can be publicized it looks like on your website and mm -hmm. if you're starting a cube you said go to either a, uh, a peasant or popper cube and i simply typed it in your search and there is a fantastic list of people with we're talking updated today popper and peasant cubes to choose from or, and, and look and at least get a starting point or ideas to brew from yeah um that's kind of one of the big reasons i actually like this sort of platform as well is if I want to build a peasant cube, for example, um, I want to look at other people's lists for inspiration, see what's going on. If they're supporting a certain archetype um, or they're having some interesting cards that you've never heard of before that are just all stars um, in certain environments, um, it's, it's very interesting to kind of browse and see what other people are doing. And it helps even when they go in the list. It shows cards by the color values in nice spreadsheet columns in the UI is great. I'm in shout out to Paul's popper cube. We're in here and you know, it shows the white listing, the blue, black, red, multicolored color list. So it's really easy to go with. And it shows underneath like multicolor, it shows Rakdos, Demir. So it shows each type of multicolor. And then underneath like the blue section, it shows instant sorceries, enchantments, creatures. And it really gives a nice feel to the whole gambit of the list and when you hover over it it immediately pops up the art so you're not blind to what that card could possibly mean it uh, this actually inspires me to do it i've been uh, trying to meme with a bunch of my friends we wanted to make shit cube i've been collecting all these cards for years that are like in essence the worst cards of magic and that's where i learned number one you need to have cohesion. Even if it's a terrible card, they have to make sense together in a draft pool. Like, you can't just put, you know, cumulative upkeep five and it does nothing. 
there's no interaction, there's no fun. You can have a cumulative upkeep card, but it has to synergize with something in the cube, and that's where I began really learning and, and drafting into this. And this just gives me a whole nother option of compiling that list. No more spreadsheets for me. Yeah, and one thing I, I recommend trying out is uh, if you look at any cube and hit the sort button, you have a primary and a secondary sort. And the owner or maintainer of the cube can uh, save whatever uh, default sort. That, that's what you're seeing right now. But you can uh, slice it in a very, very flexible way. So if you want the columns to be like artist, and then each row um, be separated by power, you can do that. Um, we have a ton of different sorts. I'm, I'm um, seeing on here you got a bunch of different uh, sorts in here. So right now it asks to put up like multicolors a sort. Some other ones are price, price with foil, rarity. You can do by set sort. There's a lot of additional filters you can add. It's crazy. Yeah. So the, the price one's actually really interesting because uh, you can use it to um, if you're trying to make a budget cube, you can just set the columns to price or the primary sort to price. And you can immediately see a column of all the cards that are like between five and ten dollars, and then those might be candidates uh, for you to cut. Uh, for example, so I'm doing it right now on again. Shout out to Paul's Popper uh, Popper Cube. It's a 360 uh, vintage cube, and it shows here. I did that price. It shows by category of under a quarter, and then it goes up from there by category. So a quarter to fifty cents, fifty cents to a dollar, dollar to two dollars, and it keeps going up. And it just really categorizes this, so you can look at what version I grabbed or what the cheapest would be of that, uh, maybe something else. Like if I'm using lightning bolt, maybe I can go to a shock. Yeah. Or even if you change to a different version, um, there are some promo versions that are, could be really expensive. You can actually click on, um, any of the card items and it brings up a little, uh, window. Um, and if you're the owner of the cube, it allows you to really easily change a lot of the attributes of the cards. So you can change the version. You can even do things like, with Porcelain Legionnaire, which is um, a 3 1 first strike with uh, Phyrexian white mana um, in its cost, it's actually like a three drop white creature, but in practice, it's actually a two drop colorless creature. So you can override those fields to make it so that's where it's sorted into. So when I'm looking at my colorless creatures right there, I see Porcelain Legionnaire because it's not actually a white creature. <laughs> so is there a way? that you can just take someone's cube and add, maybe this is a feature request, look at me already go, maybe you can just automatically set where it grabs the cheapest copy, the cheapest copy of that version of the card. So right now I'm like, and Paul's Popper cube, I, I was shocked to see at the bottom that Lightning Bolt is, you know, in that 10 to $15 range, and I look at it, oh, it's the full art promo. Jesus. <laughs> that's a cool art. So... Uh, that's funny you should mention that. Uh, I was actually working on um, that feature about a week ago, um, but I wasn't really happy with um, how it was implemented. So I, I kind of closed it out and um, came up with a new strategy. So I was initially having it be when you're importing, doing a bulk import, um, where you just you know do a flat list of cards, you have some options for the default versions it chooses, and one of them is always choose the cheapest copy. Um, but there's some issues with that. So what we were thinking of doing instead is just having a button um, that you can then choose like default to newest, default to non-promo, default to um, the cheapest or most expensive, if that's what you want. 
and uh, it'll go through your cube and then change each version to whatever default that um, you do. So that way you can do it after you do an update or a bulk uh, import uh, whenever you want. So that, that's what we're looking to build, but it's, it's in progress uh, right now. Well, perfect. This is this is a really great tool, and clearly that uh, even the, the small edits that I'm doing, are like, oh no, nope, we're already working on that. We're already on the second version of it. Clearly, you guys are <laughs> real progressive on uh, on your feature set. Yeah. So, um, just before we leave this uh, this cube here, I, again, shout out to Paul Popper Cube. It's double fried as the user. I got that wrong. It just says titles Paul Popper Cube. So, you know, you're you're now uh, podcast famous. But how can I join? this uh cube cobra tool and community well if you just want to use the tool um that that's a good starting point um we have a discord you can uh, access it under uh, contact uh, i think it's about contact um, and it's open to anybody and um, that's a really great platform that um, we use to log uh, bugs uh, feature requests and also just chat about cube we also uh, have um, a separate channel for patrons. So if you um, you decide to support um, Cube Cobra as a patron, you have access to a private channel that way. We also have private channels for contributors, uh, and that's um, where we do all the dev talk. So we talk about what features we're working on, if we have issues with something that we're doing. Um, so the Discord is, is a great platform for us, and you don't need to be a developer to help out. If you just let us know if that you encounter a bug or you have a really cool feature and just let us know in Discord, uh, we will log it and um, eventually someone will get around to it. So perfect. So the best way again to join is go to cubecobra.com and just register, sign in and start building that deck or cube. I'm going to start actually using my commander decks on this just because the UI is so clean and fresh. And maybe inspire Andy to do that. Uh, finally, that theme, yes. you know, animal, <laughs> animal, uh, animal cube. theme cube. Oh, Jesus! And again, the best way to uh, help out is just join the Discord, join the community. You know, if you're not a developer, report issues. If you are a developer, certainly reach out. I'm assuming you have contact information on the site as well. Yeah, um, we have a link to um, like my email. Um, and on the Discord, we have a link to the GitHub, um, which is the public repository. And, and uh, that also lists all the features there. So if you're um, GitHub literate, you can go and submit your feature request directly. Perfect. Well, certainly sign up, guys. And you know, do you guys have any uh, questions for Gwen while we're uh, on the subject? I know they've been uh, both watching the uh, screens we're going through and looking through the deck list, and we even did like the the sample pack to open up, and you know, the pictures pop right up. It uh, it's real real easy to go. I do have a question for the uh, how many multiples can you have in these cubes? Multiple cards of the same? Is it just one, or can I, can you have a few of the same card in the cube? Traditionally, cubes are singleton formats, okay. but a cube is whatever format the designer wants it to be. Okay. Um, it can be, you can have 20 copies of Land of War Elves if that's what you want. Um, it, so, so most cubes you'll see are singleton, but uh, you'll, you'll see people do um, interesting things like that. But like Swadden Hawk, if it's in the cube, there's probably more than one. Okay. 
So let, let's just say that outside of cube, you're just drafting a pack. If you somehow get five copies of something, you normally complete in that draft, correct? Yes, that, that that's how drafts normally work. But I mean, so I mean, think of it that way: is yeah. if it's in there and they can pull it, they can use it. Okay, just make a whole cube of relentless rats. That would be, that'd be bananas. <laughs> that would be very bananas. One thrumming stone and the rest are on this rats. <laughs> who gets lucky? Be lucky to get a thrumming yeah. stone, yeah. <laughs> See who gets lucky. Well, perfect, Gwen. I think we got uh, most of our questions uh, answered. And I appreciate your time and coming out. And, you know, if I have anything to leave you with is uh, your logo is some sweet shit. Like, you need to put up. I know this is open source, but it, there's hosting costs. There's costs to doing the, the program. You know, as my personal request, I want a damn T-shirt or hat. Actually, Please. the hat would be best. You Please. should see this. Go to his website, see the logo. Whoever did it, kudos to you, kudos, sir. Yeah, very I want one. We want a merch store. Come on now. Yeah, I actually, um, that that's something we were talking about. Um, I ordered a Cube Cobra playmat um, just to, to see how it would look, and I, I love it. I, I kind of brought it to uh, my work um, and. I use it as a mouse pad there. Um, oh my god! Can you imagine? Just, just like fathom it. You have a Cube Cobra playmat. You have a Cube Cobra cube box, and then you have Cube Cobra sleeves. And you're playing snakes. Oh my god! <laughs> yes, you're playing the snake themes. Oh my yes, god! Yes, the snake theme commander deck. Yeah. We're gonna do a Kamigawi cube. There you go. Yes. Yeah. So, so actually, I uh, with the merch thing, we were thinking of opening um, a store of some sorts and and trying to do. Play mats um, or mugs or stickers. Stickers are really popular with developers because you can throw them on the back of your website and say, "Hey, I contributed to this project." And the back of your laptop. Yeah, yeah. Developers are they they love stickers, so that's one thing we want to do. But uh, for now, I was actually thinking of doing a giveaway um, for a couple play mats, um, just because our donations right now are exceeding our hosting costs. Um, so if uh, you want to check out my Twitter and uh, um, you might see an announcement about that uh, if you're interested in any merch right now. Perfect. I know I'm signing up. So what is the Twitter handle? It's CubeCobra1. Uh, maybe Twitter will give us CubeCobra. <laughs> Don't feel bad. I signed up for mine. I had to do at this underscore Weekend MTG because the this Weekend MTG tag is taken up by some like finance stock guy, like mutual bond, <laughs> uh, funds. So yeah, CubeCobra is currently taken um, by some Minecraft player who's made a total of like three tweets. So <laughs> well, you need to reach out to him. You're gonna say, "I'm gonna give you a playmat. You just gotta let me keep this <laughs> this, uh, keep this social tag." Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a work in progress. CubeCobra one for now. Well, awesome. Thanks again for your time. And you got anything for us before oh, you look, leave? There it is. Uh, no, thank you for having me. I appreciate uh, having the discussion here. Excellent. Yeah. So, again, cubecobra.com. Get on there. Build some lists. Even if they're not cube, they have a sweet UI for decks. Get on there. Share. Join the community. And, you know, giggle on some Discord. I know I am. Thanks again. And let's cue that outro. Thanks for listening to our podcast. <laughs> Dude, are you kidding me? I'm sorry. Oh, okay. Okay. Oh, no. Seriously, follow guys. and subscribe. Or is it just follow? I, you know what? Subscribe, follow, like, share. It's it's oh my. It's on Spotify. It's already on Stitcher. We have the RSS feed on the website. This Check week in MGD.com. That's us. Please share with your friends. Share it up. Outro done. <laughs>